Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Hang Time Podcast Playoff Edition. Sekou Smith at headquarters here in Atlanta for a brief stopover during the playoffs here. The Hall of Famer, David Aldridge, joining me this week on the podcast. Um, Huge night of action Wednesday, highlighted by LeBron's buzzer beater to win game five over the Pacers. That series still going. Uh, Epic rally from the Oklahoma City Thunder to force a game six against the Utah Jazz. John Schumann will join us a little bit later. But before we get to all that, let's get TNT's in the morning, tip master himself, David Aldridge here. DA, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, cool. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm good, man. I'm I'm uh I'm praying for drama every night when I don't need to. It's 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 ready made for us. It's <laughs> it's coming. It's coming in the form of LeBron James fighting for his playoff life. What? Just looking at it from afar, what do you make of what's going on with LeBron and the Cavs trying to? Wrestle, wrestle these Pacers. I mean, it's, it's more drama than I expected. Um, well, I mean, I think it's two things. You know, I, I think the, the fear factor is pretty much gone with, you know, with Cleveland. I don't, you know, people respect, obviously, they respect LeBron. They know LeBron's a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Kevin Love is a, is a terrific player as well. But I don't think anybody's really, like, scared to play Cleveland. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, it's just it's just a different team this year, and not not quite as good. So, um, you know, Indiana's been playing good all year. Shoot, I mean, you know, they've had a they've had you know the, the I think it's it's fair to say they're the biggest surprise in the league mm-hmm. this year. I mean, they are to me anyway. Right. Um, and so, you know, they they come they come at it as in attack mode. Um, Oladipo's always in attack mode, and you know, plays that way every night, even when he's not scoring, uh, shooting the ball that well. He's got a bunch of good players, man. I mean, it's a good, it's a good squad. So, um, you know, the difference between, I mean, look at, you know, the, the, every series in the East, basically, I mean, there's not much difference between any of these teams, right? I mean, one through eight, two and seven, three, uh, Philly was better than Miami. I grant you that, but the other three have been pretty tight, you know, I mean, it's just, there's not a whole lot of difference between one and eight in this in this conference this year. I agree, and I you know I feel like the Pacers blew a uh, you know have blown a couple of really golden opportunities, DA against yep. against a team. You know you can't count on LeBron breaking down in these moments because he's he's come through so many times. Do you feel like the, the controversial ending? You know the, the the calls and these things. Do you expect the NBA? to review 
the replay guidelines this summer after some of the things we've seen in these playoffs. So I thought I was I'm in Houston last night watching the Cavs before we get started out there. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a goaltend. It just to my naked eye, I thought that's a goaltend, and and they missed it. And you yeah. know, you come out afterwards, and Joe Borgia acknowledges as much. Do you think it's time for a review of the guidelines? Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure about. I, I'm not sure what you could. What would you change? You know, and that, on that particular thing, I mean, it blew the call. It yeah. was a goaltend. I, mean, yeah. I think we all agree that it was a goaltend. Um, you know, maybe you could say that maybe that's reviewable. I don't know. I mean, that might be one one way you can go to that in the last two minutes, make every call reviewable, I guess. You know, I, mean, I suppose that's one way you could address it. But in terms of the call itself, I mean, I'm not sure there's a lot you could do to change that particular rule. Right. You know, it's pretty cut and dry. And, and I thought, you know, they just blew the call. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, we'll get the last two minute report and I'm sure it'll say, hey, should have been goaltending. You know, unfortunately for for Indiana, the the weird thing is that I just I, I thought Victor made two mistakes in that play, and uh, the guys on TNT made you know made reference to one, mm-hmm. which is he should have dunked it. Right? Why, why are you going in for the layup in the first place? You should just go ahead and dunk that, or try to dunk. Try it. and dunk it. Yeah. I actually thought he should have just pulled up after he crossed LeBron over the first time. LeBron's out of position; he's not going to recover. Yeah. So you have a you have an elbow jumper where you're wide open with four seconds left. I mean, why why wouldn't you take that? You know, um, so I thought he made two mistakes on that play. You should have just taken it right to the cup, like they said. But it's but I you know he had another shot open before LeBron could even recover. So. Yeah, it's... Uh, but yeah, that, there's no doubt it was a it was a, it was a goaltend. I thought and um, should have been called as such. Yeah, and I it's weird you you would think. For as many times we've seen LeBron do get a chase down block on somebody, I thought Oladipo was going to try and re- make a reverse layup, and he went right. and, and tried to you know lay it up off the glass like that. I'm like, man, you can't get away with that, knowing LeBron is coming behind you. Like, there's no way right. he's not going to try and, and and block that. But it's you know, watching the the Timberwolves young guys in the playoffs, watching some of these younger players, not all of them, because. Ben Simmons and Embiid have been super impressive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there have been some young guys who are tearing it up in these playoffs. But watching Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins in that, you know, Rockets-Timberwolves series, watching some of these other young stars struggle in these playoff moments, it's reminded me, D.A., that you don't know how physical, how energized you have to be, how tense those moments are until you get into them. And I, I asked Tom Thibodeau about it. You know, last week on an off day, you know, did he did he feel like Cat and his young guys needed to experience this before they would fully comprehend what they've been told by him or by some of the veteran players? It's been interesting to watch who has wilted a little bit in that playoff spotlight and who hasn't. Yeah, well, you know, I think part of it is is that you know you, you just can't you just have no idea what the playoffs are like until you experience it and just the kind of. Possession by possession, however, possession is important, and that's true. Um, I also think, you know, honestly, I, th- I thought that Minnesota didn't do a very good job of utilizing Towns. I mean, I thought yeah. they need to put him more, you know, in a, in a place where he can attack the, the basket. Part of that, I mean, and part of that's on him, too. I understand that. But, you know, you got to run some things for him where he can, uh, where he doesn't have to do too much patent with the ball and he can just go right into his moves. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of, of learning too. You got to know how to, how to use your guy in the best situation. I know he's a versatile guy. He can step out and shoot threes and you want to take advantage of that. But I also think there's a time where you have to realize 
this is six eleven dude that can put that can put the ball in the basket. You need to just figure out a way to get him to do that. <laughs> get yeah. him, especially if, if Houston's going to put Harden or Tucker or undersized guys like that on him. You know, the longer he's patting the ball and trying to, you know, post them up and do all that sort of thing, the easier it's going to be. More opportunity, I should say. They're going to have more opportunity to attack him on the dribble. Yeah. You know, and there's going to be more opportunity for the defense to help, for the guards to dig in, for the wings to dig in and make it harder for him. You need to get him some quick hitters, some things where he just catches and goes to the basket and, and utilizes his size and explosiveness. So I think that's something that was a mistake. But there's no question the young guys from Minnesota especially. And that's why it, it's impressive when you see, you know, DeLon Wright in, in Toronto and some of the other young guys who have actually played really well in this in these first round of the playoffs who haven't had a ton of experience. Yeah. You think uh, you think the Thunder just delayed the inevitable, or, or can they come back in that series and win that thing? Well, you know what? It's funny. Like, I'm, Jeff Van Gundy always says this, that you can't give away playoff games. Mm-hmm. You know, you just can't lose a game and say, well, we'll go get the next one. Right. Uh, you know, I would certainly say Utah should be favored. They'll be at home. That crowd is tremendous. They've been They've been good at home. But I tell you what, man, it, you can't just be blowing 25-point lead. You know what I, mean? I think that's, that's hard to come back from. You give a guy like – you saw what happened. You gave Westbrook a, a sniff of it, yes. and it just went nuts. You know? And so um, I would be very worried if I were Utah because yeah. that series was over. That game was over. The crowd was out of it. There was no reason to believe that they were going to be able to come back. Um, and I'm, I'm stunned that they that – they, uh, got back in the game. It was fun that Utah let them get back in the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just hope that that doesn't bite Utah in the butt coming back. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll win by 30 in game six. But, you know, now you've given Westbrook and Paul George a reason yeah. to keep competing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, now if I'm them, all you, what you're saying is we just got to win one game on the road and we get it. We get game you get seven, game at, seven home at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not – that's not impossible. That's something we do all the time. So let's just go get this game on the road and, and come back here and win this thing. So that's what will worry the heck out of me if I were Utah right now. Yeah. I, that whole Thunder situation, too, is, is too soon, I guess, to to break it down. But clearly, win or lose, whether they get to the next round or not, every step they take impacts their summer later on. I, I have no idea what Paul George is going to do. Um, I have no idea – what happens to Billy Donovan if they don't get out of this first round. But mm-hmm. I, I would not want to be Sam Presti this summer having to sort through the mess. I, it's, it's amazing what they've gone through in terms of personnel. You look yeah. at Katie, Russ, Harden on separate teams now since since that 2012 finals. Right. Serge Ibaka on another team. I mean, it's staggering to me what's yeah. happened to the Thunder when we thought they might be that team next team of the future and yeah. they, and they could be getting bounced again in the first round. That's I feel for Sam because I know how smart he is. I know how good a job he's done DA, but does that speak to the, you know, just the true uncertainty of whatever you got going on, the staying power when you look at a San Antonio or somebody else that's been mm-hmm. able to maintain for so long, how hard it is for everybody else to get to that point. Well, there's no question. I mean, look, the, the history of the league is there's a lot more teams that failed than succeeded. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many more teams that didn't get it done than did get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, nothing is 
nothing is promised to you, whether it's injuries or free agency or whatever it is, um, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot. There's no doubt about that. And so that that's an OKC situation. I know Preston gets a lot of heat for, for the Harden trade, and I keep pointing out two things. You know, number one, when your owner tells you I'm not paying the luxury tax, <laughs> you can't resign James Harden. Right. You're going to keep Westbrook and Durant. You just can't do it. Right. And I, and I defy anybody at the time. It's easy to say now. Say, it's easy to say now. Well, they should have kept Harden. But at the time, <laughs> of those three guys, yeah. and you can only keep two, which two are you keeping? No, you're right. And you know what I'm saying? So anybody who tells me, oh, I would have kept Harden, they're lying. You know? So, I mean, they're just lying. <laughs> Because they're using that selective memory. Nobody right. would have kept James Harden at the time over those other two guys. They no, just wouldn't. You're right. Based on what you what based on what you knew about them at the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, what, even though they they did lose Harden, that trade is what allowed them to draft Stephen Adams. So, I mean, yeah. you do have to look at all of it when you assess the deal, you know. And but you're right. It's been a lot of a lot of talent coming through that that pipeline. And just the one finals appearance to show for it has got to be very frustrating for them. Yeah, no question. Um, on to different teams, DA. I feel like strike. if you're talking about striking while it's hot, is there anybody mm. hotter right now than the Philadelphia 76ers? All no, hell the process. No. no, no. I mean, they, you know, they, they have perfectly put, uh, you know, a team together. With, with great young talent that's just hard to guard because they're so athletic and they just create so many problems for you combined with really good veterans who are all playing well. I mean, that's not going to happen every year, so there's no guarantee that, you know, the Sixers are going to have this kind of run again. Right. Because it's un- it's so unusual. Like, just say everybody that – all their veterans, you know, Reddick and Bellinelli and Ilyasova, all of them are playing good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just – that's unusual. In a playoff series, usually somebody struggles for one reason or another. Um, but they're all playing good, so they need to ride this as long as they can, and they certainly have a great opportunity. I mean, if I, you know, whether it's Boston or Milwaukee in the next round, I would certainly think Philly would be favored now, based on what we know, and certainly have an opportunity to win that win those series. And then, then you're in the conference finals, and you know, probably either be Toronto or, or, or mm-hmm. Cleveland uh, that they'll face, and and you know, all due respect to Toronto and Cleveland, I don't think if I'm Philly, I'd be scared of playing either one of those teams with what I got. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, with that size, be, that length, yeah. And rock. Yeah. They got everything. And, and I was, you know, John Schumann has been covering some of that series. He was talking to me about the fact that just how big, how long, athletic, and large Philly's roster is. And I was like, mm-hmm. you don't think about that until you look out there on the floor. All those, you know, outside of J.J. Redick and McConnell, Everybody's six six or taller, basically. Everybody put on the floor is six six or taller, right. and can shoot and long. Yeah, and can and shoot. Long. It's they got strange as it sounds. They got the perfectly built team for today's NBA, which nobody would have said that about the Sixers even a year ago. You know, you right. wouldn't you right. wouldn't have been talking about them like that. Um, Da, what what's your take on and and uh, we talked about this last week on the podcast. Greg Popovich, you know, the entire NBA family prayers are out for him, the mm-hmm. loss of his wife and just what he's going through. But this is this is going to be a strange offseason in San, San Antonio. Maybe this, the strangest we've seen in, in two decades. 
Oh, no question. They never had this kind of uncertainty going into an off season. I mean, even though, you know, even when when Robinson and Duncan were were aging and, and not what they once were, they still did so many things that helped facilitate winning. You know what I mean? So even though they weren't the guys that maybe scored all the points anymore you still had such a base to build on. And then when Duncan got old, you had Kawhi Leonard to build on. Right. You know what I mean? So they always had some, They always had somebody in the wings to kind of take over. And, you know, until they resolve Kawhi's situation one way or the other, you know, we, we just aren't going to know what what's going on there. It's just going to be uncertainty. Yeah. Um, they, they, they have never had to deal with this. You know, with, with Tony Parker, a free agent, saying he wants to come back. You know, Ginobili is 40 years old. He'll be 41 years old on opening night next year. You know, I, I you know, and you just don't know what the deal is with Kawhi Leonard, whether he wants to be there anymore or not. Boy, that's a lot of stuff to get through in one offseason, man. And, yeah. you know, that, that, that it's just never happened before. Do you trade him? I mean, like, I, I know it sounds crazy, but do you trade if Kawhi says, you know, I'm not trying to be here? You got you got to move him, right? You well, gotta get something for him. Clear, you know, and that's why you gotta have the, the discussions with him over the next, you know, few weeks. You know, you certainly want to have want to have an answer before the draft, right? right? I mean, you need to know what's going on with him. And yeah, if he says, you know what, I, I, it's just not for me. I just I'm not going to accept your your two nineteen, which will be an interesting <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, no thanks. I won't take the two hundred nineteen million. Sorry. <laughs> Keep your money. But if he sa- if he says that, then yeah, they probably do have to trade him. You know, wow. the good. I think the good thing for Philly is that for Philly for San Antonio is that there's about 27 teams that would say, <laughs> "What do you want?" Exactly. <laughs> you know? and they could have a nice little little bid, little auction for him, and see what the what the best uh, what the best package they can get for him is. And they would get some good packages. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. Um, it's going to be, but you like to your point. It's, it's, it is unprecedented, uncharted water for these guys. Unreal. I mean, it's just just crazy thinking about how quickly things change. Speaking of speaking of that, I saw the Pelicans on March twenty mm-hmm. seventh play the Trailblazers and lose at home. Tough game. Dame Lillard went crazy. If that mm-hmm. night somebody had told me the Pelicans were going to dominate the Portland Trailblazers the way they did in the first round, only sweep in the entire first round. Yeah. Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo went to work on Portland. So now we got the one matchup that we know is set for the second round, Pelicans and Warriors. Do, do they have a legit shot at scaring scaring the Warriors in, in, in putting a little nervousness into that whole situation for Golden State? I think I think they have a chance of scaring them, to you, to, as you put it. I don't know if they can beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but scare them, yeah. <laughs> I think they can definitely do that. Um, look, they, you know, they, they they found a way to play that, that works for them, and it, it's playing faster. You know, I mean, they, they're playing so much faster now than than they did uh, with, with Boogie on the floor, and that's not a criticism. It's just, you know, personnel. I mean, you just have – when you have different personnel, you have to play a different way. And so with, with Miritich in, in the lineup, they can play faster, get more possessions, be more kind of scrappy. I'm just not sure. I just wonder when I look at their team, who guards KD? Yeah, that's what uh, my first, second, and third question on this squad is: who guards KD? Now they tried a lot of different ways. 
different people in the in the play. You know, when they played him in the regular season, but I don't think you can put AD on him. Yeah, you just don't want AD to pick up early fouls and have to go out and guard. You can't have him guarding out the three point line and doing all that stuff. I mean, who else? But if you put anybody else on him, you know, Kevin can shoot over everybody else that they can put on him. Yeah. You know, so I just don't. I just think that's going to be a very difficult matchup for New Orleans defensively. How do they? How do they keep KD from just going off every game? Yeah. You know, and Golden State's hard enough to, to defend, but if you don't have an answer for KD to jump. I just don't know how you beat them four times. Right. I mean, you could slow them down. They'll maybe shoot themselves in the foot like they did against San Antonio where they just had some real sloppy games handling the ball. Um, but I just don't know what you do with that with that guy. Yeah. Looking at the personnel that New Orleans has. Yeah, I don't know, which, like you said, which guy is going, you know, he's going to put Darius Miller or Solomon. I mean, who who you going to send to the guillotine to try and deal with KD? In, right, in the best right. Of seven, yeah. and, you, and you can now they have what they do have is, you know, they do have a guy in in Davis that can you know obviously protect the front of the rim. So someone like a Draymond Green that that makes a living kind of cutting offensive rebounds, making himself available, may not be as effective offensively um, as he would be against other people, um, and so that's an advantage. You know, Clay Thompson loves to cut back the door and, and keep continue moving. And that's an advantage for them. And they can put Jeruel Holiday on on Clay Thompson and maybe take their chances. Yeah. Um, so it's not like they can't stop them at all. I think they have a chance to maybe get some stops, but I just do I do wonder about um, about the KD matchup and how they how they can deal with that. Yeah. That's what I just yeah. And and we saw how Portland struggled to match. You know the Pelicans when they came at him with this new look, and I, I started thinking about Terry Stotts and all these other coaches, yeah. DA, who are in the crosshairs right now. We got Mike, mm-hmm. Mike Budenholzer and the Hawks agree to part ways. Um, we got six coaching spots officially open right now, with potentially more to come. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen with the Bucks. We don't know what's going to happen with the Pistons. Um, right. According to Shams Rania, uh, you know JB Bickerstaff is negotiating a contract to become the permanent coach for the Grizzlies. But we got the yeah. Suns job open. We got the Magic job open. The Knicks are interviewing everybody, you know, yeah. planet Earth. The Hornets job is open. Which job do you think of all of these, DA, is the one that's, that is in the highest demand in terms of will attract the best candidate? Look, I mean, I, I think of, of the ones that, that we know are open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, I would say New York for two reasons, you know, as crazy as Dolan may be, know he will spend money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's New York. You're just going to have you have a better opportunity of attracting free agents to New York, I think, than you do some of those other places. Right. You know, so I still think that that's, that's a powerful thing. And you've got, you know, Porzingis coming back next year, presumably. Um, so you do have a player, and they're going to, you know, probably get another good player in the draft. You have some pieces to build around, but you know, if the Milwaukee job opens up, come on, you know everybody's going to want to want that gig because of Giannis. Yeah. You know, had the opportunity of, of coaching Giannis. Um, so, if that job does open up and they decide that they're not going to put uh, Joe Prunty in there permanently, then then definitely I would say Milwaukee is, is 
is the gig. Yeah. I knew this was coming, by the way. Last summer, we went into the offseason, you know, with no coaching movement. And I thought, it's going to be Katie by the door next summer. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be a freak show because rarely do we have that much silence, you know, on, on the coaching yeah. carousel going into an offseason. What what does what does a team like the say the Hawks when you mm-hmm. got a situation basically the same situation Phoenix is in with, and I think the Suns have better talent right now in terms of young guys that you can build around. What are you selling to a coach if you're the Hawks? Just the opportunity to be a head coach because you got no framework. For this guy to come in and be competitive, you know, to to have a chance at winning, I mean, you're so early in the process for for a franchise like that that's rebuilding from the ground up. How do you sell these jobs? I don't understand how these teams sell these jobs to these coaches other than, hey, we we got a guy who's dying to get back in or we got a guy who's so anxious for his first opportunity, he's willing to take a dead-end situation as his first job. Well, I think what what you would do in their situation, and, and Orlando's also, I think to a lesser degree, is you've got to sell it as an opportunity to develop young players, to, to put a, a program in that's going to not just develop young players, but is going to stick to that. Yeah. Because the worst thing you can do to me, you know, if you're a team like them, is start to panic and, and we're going to trade assets and do all of those things in, in, in an attempt to start winning right away. But you can only do that. You can only go so far with that, right? And you just can't, I don't think, build a championship team through trades and things like that. So, you know, you do, you do the Brooklyn thing, which is hire a young guy, a development guy like a Kenny Atkinson that's, that's great with young players and tries to make them better every day. And you just live with those L's. you got to live <laughs> with those L's, you know. You made that decision a couple of years ago if you're Atlanta. You right. Know, you had a team that could have that was a playoff team that was good enough to contend. And, and, you know, you made a decision. We were only going to spend so much on Al Horford. Well, okay. Well, this is the result when you do, they make decisions like that, you know, you have to start, you got to start rebuilding and then you got to stick with the rebuild. You got to keep having success. They got, well, they have four first round picks in the next two years. Well, you got to hit on uh, at least two of them. I mean, two of them have to be guys that they're coming right away and, and, and are not just guys, but are productive guys, right? Or, or yeah. guys that can really help you. And you add that to Collins and, and Prince and some of their other guys, and maybe you start to grow a little bit. But um, it's, it's more about, to me, what, how they do in the draft than it is, um, you know, who the coach is. Because whoever the coach is, they're going to take some L's right away. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, this league is so, so strange, D.A., just thinking about the way – the power shifts from season to season. We got a huge summer coming up for so many franchises for so many different reasons. I was trying to think who's who's going to have the most, you know, game-changing summer of all these franchises. We figure Paul George in his situation with the Thunder, that changes yeah. dramatically. Then it always, of course, it always comes back to the epicenter of the basketball universe in LeBron. I mean, Cleveland – no matter what they do, no matter if they get out of this first round or not, this is going to be the summer of LeBron all over again, and nobody right. knows what he's going to do. I mean, I've talked to – I can't tell you how many people have have theories about where he's going, what he might do. Mm. Nobody knows. Right. This dude's going to hold – he's holding our July hostage yet again. Oh, well, that's the deal. <laughs> that's the game. You know, so, yeah, there's not, not – we don't know, and we're not going to know. Yeah. So – until he decides where he wants to go, and that will set everything else in motion. Um, 
Yeah, we it's um we we are it is gonna be you know, you certainly look at LA with the Lakers and you think, okay, they're gonna do something. I mean, you know, they have to make they have to make some kind of move. Right. They can't just sit pat and say, Well wait for nineteen. You know, you can't keep kind of kicking the can down the road. So they're gonna to have to at some point be successful and get one of these free agents in there. Now, whether that's Paul George this summer or Westbrook after next summer or whoever or LeBron, whoever it is, they got to start get. They have to get somebody. I, yeah. I just think you don't get free agents until you prove you can get free agents. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. So they have to they have to have a successful courtship with one of these primary difference making free agents, and that will start. That will start the ball rolling for them, I think, in terms of going forward. But they, until they do that, then they're just talking, you know. And so I don't think that that's, that gets them anywhere. You know, that's why they brought in Magic and Rob Palenka to right. close the sale with some of these guys. Well, they got to show they can do it. Time, yeah. to, time to roll. Yeah. It's just a cra- – I mean, it's just unbelievable how much is going on. We could – we can see, like you mentioned earlier, we can see the end of Manu Ginobili's career. Dwayne Wade could be done in Miami. We, so much, you know, shape-shifting going on this summer. And uh, unfortunately for you, that means working all summer. <laughs> that means we're going to be working all summer, which is a great thing. Welcome to our world. Right? Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's a great thing. But, uh, but it means, you know, more and more of this drama unfolding throughout the course of the summer. David Aldridge, the Hall of Famer, joining me here on the Hangtime Podcast. D.A., I know you don't have much time. Enjoy the little bit you do have at home, man. I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you down the road. See you down the road. Certainly see you come finals time. Absolutely, sacred. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, D.A. Love talking to David Aldridge here on the Hangtime Podcast. Everybody knows what kind of knowledge DA is working with. So always good to get his insights, kind of pepper him like that about everything that's going on, everything that's going to be going on throughout the course of this, uh, the rest of these playoffs and into the offseason. Right now, though, we need to pick the brain of uh, one of our other favorites, my main man, John Schumann, joining us for the playoff edition of the Schumann Stat. Shu, what's happening? What's up? Man, what do you, what do you what are you doing, sir? And I know you've been back and forth uh, between a couple series. You you're gonna get a chance to dig in on this on this wild Wizards Raptors series again. Uh, <laughs> does Toronto finally look like they're ready to finish this thing off, or what? I mean, I don't know. Like that game five, fourth quarter, they were down five early fourth quarter, I believe. And I mean, for me, I felt like this game, that game was just gonna be a real a huge game for the Raptors, just beyond this series just because it's a it's sort of a referendum referendum on what they've done this season right you know it's it's um you know just a a tough spot for them again you know in in another you know for the fourth year in a row um and when it came down to it i mean they just made a few more plays than the wizards did in the fourth quarter they just went on a huge run in the fourth quarter they made some big defensive plays Force and turnovers. Heck, you know, Jonas Valanciunas stripped John Wall clean on a pick and roll. Yeah, um, that was just a huge play in that fourth quarter. So I don't think they've solved everything, you know. And anything I think can happen uh, Friday night in Game Six in Washington. So I think it's still everything is still sort of a referendum on the Raptors going. Like I don't think you know they've we've they've answered anything just yet. They answered you know Game Five. Um, but as far as, um, you know, the series as a whole, you know, they still got some work to do. Um, and it's been interesting, you know, like, um, you know, it's in previous years, you sort of wanted to, 
trap DeRozan and, Lero- and, and Lowry and make them move the ball and then see what else could happen. Um, and that was the formula to stop in the Raptors in the playoffs. And then this year, it's sort of been the opposite. The Wizards tried that in games one and two, and it didn't work. And then since then, they've been sort of switching or playing softer on pick and rolls and forcing those guys, keeping the ball in the hands of those guys, basically, and staying at home on the Raptors shooters. And that has worked to slow down that Toronto offense. So it's kind of fascinating that it's sort of the opposite of what has worked in years past. And I guess that that goes to explain the the Raptors change this year. Yeah, the the Wizards, Raptors, they look to me there. And I don't want to just be disrespectful to either one of them, but it's like when I look over the East and I see Philly and I see Boston, I see teams on the rise, and I feel like the Wizards and Raptors, man, they got to feel the pressure that, hey, if we don't get this done now, like if we don't get a chance to, to play our way to the conference finals and maybe take advantage of what looks like a vulnerable uh, you know, Cleveland team and get to the finals now, that window closes. I mean, Philly is the present and the future. Boston is clearly a team that's legitimate now, but when healthy with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and whatever else they add and the growth of their young guys becomes another team that that slides into a contender's role in the East. You got a, you've gotten a chance to watch Philly in these playoffs. How How impressive are they? in the flesh compared to what they look like for myself and other people who are watching them, you know, from the other side, you know, from on, on TNT or whatever, you know, what are we missing about that Philly team that, that you have to be there to see them in person to, to truly comprehend? I mean, they are just a complete team. I think right now, mm-hmm. I mean, they were a good defensive team all year, but their offense has just really taken off in the last two, three months. You know, I think the additions of, uh, Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova were huge for that team just to add more shooting to um, what they had already. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it, it's really amazing. Like, the foundation for this was built five years ago mm-hmm. um, when Brett Brown t- took over. I mean, they're basically playing the same way they played, you know, five years ago when they stumped, you know, <laughs> two years ago when they won 10 games. Right. Um, it's just they've added talent. And, you know, they took a step forward last year with Embiid playing a little bit. Um, they took a, a big step forward this year. But when you think about it, they were 25. This team was 25 and 25. And, you know, sort of mediocre offensively. The worst fourth quarter team in the league at the All-Star break. And since then, they have just taken off. And especially offensively, they, you know, with the additional shooting um, with Simmons, you know, gaining confidence every game and his just uh, an amazing ability to attack and get into the paint and and finish or or find guys that are open and guys are always open because this team just doesn't stop moving. Yeah. Um, you know, they lead the playoffs in both player movement and ball movement as far as you know distance traveled on offense and passes on offense. Hmm. And, like, you'll watch some other offenses, you know, if you take away the initial action or the first couple of actions on a on a possession, they get stuck. Uh, Philly doesn't get stuck. You know, they just keep moving. And, you know, Redick and Bellinelli especially just firing off of pin downs and, and running all over the place. 
getting the ball and launching right away. You know, they're not necessarily successful on all those shots, but it's the threat of them running around and and shooting that just takes your, de- you know, grabs your defense's attention and opens up stuff for everybody else. So the growth spurt that they've had in the last two months is, I don't, any, unlike anything I've ever seen. Like, really? I can't I mean, remember when, any, any team just going, just improving so much yeah. over two months. There's not, I mean, there's, it doesn't seem like there's one specific thing you can point to and say, that's when it clicked or that's, you know, that's when it changed. But it, like you said, it's just been gradually, you look up and they've gotten better and better, you know, at, at doing what, Brett Brown has been preaching to them forever. Um, The scary thing is Embiid's only played three games and he's looked (laughs) kind of rusty offensively, right? Like Brown is like, I mean, Brown even said it before game five of the Heat series. He's like, you know, I think we have the, like just going forward in this postseason, we have the most room to improve. Yeah. Right? Because Embiid, we just got Embiid back and he was kind of, you know, he's had some issues offensively. He's been incredible defensively protecting the rim. Yeah. Um, but he's like he basically says as lo- you know I just want us as long the longer we can stay in this the better we're going to be basically and also you know the Embiid factor but they're so young and it's like every playoff game is is so important to you know these young guys sort of learning how to play and and how to deal with uh, you know playoff basketball so it's like the learning curve is is highest for this team too so it's. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the ceiling is. I, I mean, maybe it's maybe they could go to the finals. Who knows? Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> it would be unbelievable for them to do that. But I mean, is that, I don't. And I don't think any other team in the East looks better right now. No, no. I agree with you. I agree. They and I would be the first to tell you. You remember some of our conversations we've had over the years about Sam Hinkie and the process and what they had going on. I, I hated the idea. Hated it. But it's hard to argue with these results. Um, yeah, when I mean, you see and, it on the other side, we talked about it on here a couple of weeks ago, I think. And and the one point that we sort of didn't make is that the whole point of it was to get as many shots at talent as yes. possible. It's mm-hmm. like it, 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 and it's not. It wasn't an arrogant thing. It was almost a humble thing, like knowing that hey, I don't know, I'm not going to nail every one of these draft picks. Right. But if I get as many draft picks, like he got, you know, Noel's gone, Okafor gone. Michael Carter um, Williams gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not like he knew that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get all these draft picks. And I'm going to, I'm going to be the best drafter in the league. He, he knew he's not. And, and he knows that, you know, you got a X percent shot of getting uh, a good player out of a top five pick and knew that we just have to maximize the possibilities. And that's yeah. and that's what's paid off. I mean, just look at, shoot, Sarich has been really good for this team. Yes. And then the other part of the, the whole uh, quote-unquote process is, is the development of Covington. Like, that's a guy yeah. that they sort of picked up off the scrap heap and developed into um, one of the de- best defensive players in the league and a guy who can and shoot, a guy who can shoot threes. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, it also changed, like I said, and I and I mentioned this to GA. This is a, this summer is so pivotal for so many franchises. You, it's strange to see who's in like a great position now that wasn't maybe as recently as last summer. And then there's some other teams that are that could see everything they've built or everything they've done for the past few years go away. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, and it's just the way it breaks. You know, whether it's free agency. Who's a free agent win? Um, the unexpected, like San Antonio might be dealing with, with Kawhi. Um, yeah. 
who do you think is is poised? That's, that's not fair. I, I mean, because we don't know what happens with LeBron. But if we take LeBron's situation out of the equation, who's poised to have the biggest change, like game changing offseason? You think in the Eastern Conference? If we if we exclude LeBron and whatever he might do, who's who else has an opportunity to make? the biggest, you know, change in terms of moving up the pecking order in Eastern Conference? That's a great question. Um, you know, because Charlotte and Detroit are just kind of stuck, right? Yeah. Like, with as far as their payroll and and everything, I think um, Brooklyn is going to take it sort of slow and steady. Although, you know, if, if D'Angelo Russell or somebody can make a leap for them next year, that could pay off. Right. Um, it's... You know, Philly Philly is going to keep growing. Like they're not they're only going to get better. That's I mean, what you assume, Simmons, yeah. Yeah, Ben Simmons can't shoot. You know, Markel Fult Markel Fultz has basically done minimal for them, you know. Like yeah. he's he wasn't even in the rotation the last couple of playoff games. Um and he can't shoot yet. I mean, if those two guys, you know, spend the summer getting up a couple thousand shots a day or something like that, who knows. Um and obviously Boston. I mean, heck, I mean, they're going to get uh one all-star back who didn't play this year and, and another back from uh, who didn't play in the postseason. So, right. And, and there's a, yeah. And like I said, there's other teams that are just stuck. Like Miami is kind of stuck with their payroll. Um, and the high Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Contract. You know, I could have spent a whole podcast, by the way, <laughs> talking about Hassan Whiteside and how disappointed I was in his, his playoff I mean, performance. I just go back and, to when uh, they signed that contract, it did not, I mean, and that was when they were negotiating with Wade, too. So, yeah. like, if Wade is, you know, says, all right, you're not giving me, you know, $20 million a year, but you're going to give this guy $20 million a year. And Whiteside had basically given them half of a season of he could be a good player, right? right. Like a potent, like half of a season of, oh, that's he's got nice potential. And it wasn't even – and so that contract, I think, is, is obviously haunting them at this point because he was basically unplayable in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Even with a, a big center that, you know, you should need, you know, somebody like that. Plus, you know, they've got Olenek, um, and they've got uh, Bam Adebayo, who's who's going to be a terrific I liked player, him, yeah. I, I like what I saw from him. He's he's had he's had some great moments this year. He's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be really good. And obviously if he takes a big step forward this summer, you know, that makes Whiteside even less useful uh to that team. Yeah. It's funny I've I tweeted this out the other day, Shoot, watching the games, and, and I'll get you out of here because, like I said, I know you're busy. I appreciate it. But I'm trying to remember when I felt this good about the young players coming up in the league, and not just one or two. You know I mean? I remember when KD and Russ and that young Thunder team was cooking, and I thought, man, these guys got a chance to really be, you know, and then the Warriors showed up, and it was just a couple teams. Man, I, I love the young talent from coast to coast. It is ridiculous to me. How many good young players are on some of these rosters right now? You know, you wonder, well, who's the next generation of stars? Who are those guys that are going to take over when, you know, when LeBron and his generation finally, you know, exit the stage and, you know, and, and Steph and and Katie and that generation who are maybe just a few years younger than LeBron, but they they assume the elder statesman role. I mean, there's just a there's so many good young players. Um, and to get to, a chance to see him in the playoffs to me makes it even more obvious. It, it magnifies it that much more when you see some of these, you know, quality young players working out 
and doing so well in the postseason. It just it feels good to me in terms of the health of of the league and especially when it comes to quality players on so many different rosters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really good to watch. I mean, I had a hard time voting for most improved this year. Just, I mean, I knew who I had number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it was tough because there was a lot of second and third year guys or third and fourth year guys that made big jumps. And there was a lot of second year guys that made uh, big jumps. Guys like Sabonis and yeah. Torian Prince and... Uh, Jamal Murray and Brandon Ingram and, you know, just a bunch of guys that um, took a big step forward and, like, became not just, you know, you know the talent was always there and always obvious, but just, like, you know, doing things that you know lead to winning, you know, like that for me is always important. Like the game, you know, the point of basketball is to outscore your opponent, and so you have to do things that make your team better, not just, you know, do things that get the highlights. Um, And to see like a bunch of guys like that, make a big jump in that regard um, was really cool to see. Like, and and like you said, I mean, it's, uh, it's, there's guys all over the place that you, you may forget a little bit and then you watch them once and you're like, Oh, you know, this guy is good. You know? Yeah. It's just uh, a fun time to be, um, affiliated with or covering and around the NBA, man. Um, playoff basketball shoe. We wait all season for it, and then we get here and you feel like you're you know, chasing the train, man. It's it's going to be interesting <laughs> to watch and see see how this stuff unfolds. I, I'm assuming I'll see you at some point. Our, our playoff pass will cross at some point here in the coming weeks. Um, so in the meantime, the Hangtime Podcast will have to do, brother. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Be safe right. on the road. Yep, you got it. All right, John Schumann with the Schumann stat in a roundabout way. We kind of <laughs> – I think we had a stat in there somewhere, but, you know, John Hartzell, you know how it is. It's playoff time. What are we going to do? Um, Greg Anthony is somewhere. He's calling games somewhere. I forget where. I've I've heard his voice, seen him on a TV in a press room or something. We'll find GA next week. We'll make sure we get him back here on the Hang Time Podcast next week. Shout out to our man, John Schumann, as always, joining us here. And uh, to the Hall of Famer, uh, TNT analyst, sideline reporter extraordinaire, morning tip master, uh, insider, uh, Hall of Famer, David Aldridge, for joining us. Um, We will definitely get back on the horse and ride here next week. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Hang Time on Apple Podcasts for new episodes all throughout these NBA playoffs. And don't forget to leave a magical review telling us how much you loved it. We'll see you right here next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna matata.